Welcome to Happily Ever After, the podcast where we talk about life's big stories, from breakups and breakdowns to icky secrets and happy endings. It's the stuff that makes us human. I'm your host, Hannah Harvey. I'm a writer and a parenting blogger at mumsdays.com. I'd be really grateful if you could subscribe and leave a review because it basically means more people can find the podcast. And I also absolutely love hearing from you. So please do contact me through Instagram at mumsdays, M-U-M-S-D-A-Y-S with any of your stories um, and any thoughts you might have on the episode or any questions. You can find all the details from this episode in the show notes. Hello and welcome to Happily Ever After with me, Hannah. And today I'm joined by Anna and Vicky, who I interviewed about a good month and a half ago now on the beach in uh, King Edwards Bay. And it was to celebrate the launch of your amazing book, The Ripple Effect. Yeah. And what a morning that was, wasn't it? It was quite an exciting morning. Yeah, it With was the incredible. Um, I'm trying to think the, it was before Storm Babbitt, so we can't blame her. But it was a <laughs> yeah. very, very wavy. And it was the Yeah, and so many people. So many people, we all tried to get in the sea and got kicked out. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember colliding with other people as I was thrown through the waves. That's a way of getting to know someone, just get thrown at them by a big wave. I know, and all your bits like falling out. (laughs) Don't mind me. But yes, so we basically had a lovely chat on the beach and we were talking about your new book and for me obviously I'm quite I was quite new to getting in the sea but for you guys you're been doing it for quite some time now yeah we've been doing it I mean obviously I think you know a lot of us swimmers have kind of been doing it all our lives in a way it's like you know if you remember those times swimming as as kids when it was just sort of the normal thing just to get in the in in the cold sea and uh, not really think anything about it I mean I know you Anna um you 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 grew up swimming in locks and yeah I grew up um pottering in and out of the locks up in Scotland and um you know just had a real love for being around the water so um but it was only really when I moved to Edinburgh about nearly eight years ago now and I, I lived near the sea that I could start going swimming properly and, and regularly um so that's what I've been doing ever since when I was growing up I was always getting in water my parents would be like if there was a puddle I'd be stripping off and getting in and then there's this whole period I guess it would be maybe when I became a grown-up when I just never got in the water despite living by the beach for 10 15 years why is that it, i know or well, there's that thing where you sit 
on the beach while your kids go in your kids are paddling in the in the waves and you're kind of watching over them and you're not actually getting in the water yourself it's like you're not meant to be doing that kind of childlike thing of you know splashing around there was a thing around like not wanting to be cold like oh it's too cold for me now yeah i I like Yeah, go on, Anna. What were you going to say? No, sorry. We've got a weird delay, so I'm not sure if Vicky's about to speak. (laughs) Sorry. Carry on, Vic. I was just thinking that in my sort of early 30s, around about the time that I had my kids as babies, that I, I did get it into my head that the water was too cold for me. And I bought... I didn't buy a wetsuit. I think my mum gave me one that she'd got in a charity shop. And I became convinced that, um, that, uh, you know, that's what I needed. And, um, you know, which was sort of, and I kind of knew that was wrong. You know, I remember at the time thinking, what is, what's wrong with me? Why have I gone this way of thinking that I can't just get in that cold water? Mm. Do you have any experience in this, Anna, or did you just keep swimming throughout? Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, I think I I always remember um, even in swimming pools, you know, I'd go to the swimming pool with my kids and they would be like, Mum, you never come in the pool anymore. You know, why don't you come in the pool? And I realised that I was just feeling really like um, kind of body conscious and not wanting to go in a Mm. pool. And just I think as well realising that like with swimming pools, and the thought of swimming, um, I felt quite stressed out by the idea of swimming pools and the smell and the echoing and realising that I actually find the environment of a pool quite um, unpleasant. Like, I really just don't like being in swimming pools. And I think because I was living in London for many years, the swimming pool was where you would go to swim. Um, and then I'd go and visit my parents in, in, in Scotland and, um, you know, sort of potter about in the water, but I definitely wasn't swimming. Um, it was more just like playing around with the kids or something, but, um, you know, moving back here and being near the sea and being able to actually go swimming in the sea was, was a real lovely change. And then I think that feeling of not feeling, um, embarrassed of of my body in the same way that I did in a swimming pool, if that makes sense. And then enjoying being under the sky and in nature, as opposed to being in this kind of loud echoey room and the smell of chlorine and all of those things that would make me feel a bit put off swimming, if that makes sense. Yes. I think that summed up exactly how I was feeling about it. There's something about the lights and the attention and you're not really moving because you're looking after a child mm-hmm. mm. uh, or watching them jump in. I've, that's, I've done many hours of catching a child jumping at me and getting really cold. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, a, it's quite, I think you have to sort of change and adapt as you have children and, you know, you kind of leave a part of yourself behind when you become a mother and I think for so many people, like getting into outdoor swimming, it's been a kind of reclaiming of that, um, you know, because most people I know will go swimming without their kids, like outdoor swimming without their kids. So it's mm-hmm. almost like you're kind of just doing it for yourself. You're not necessarily like watching, you know, having to dry them and keep them safe. You're just going yourself. And it's like a way of just doing something kind of that's, you know, going back to that. 
time before you had kids and you had all that responsibility. It's it's quite a, a lovely feeling to be able to reconnect with that part of yourself, I think. Mm-hmm. So there's been a huge explosion in the popularity of not just sea swimming, but cold water therapy. Um, what do you think kind of brought that about? Shall I, shall I say? Um, I mean, I mean, obviously, <laughs> the, I mean, there's two different things you're talking about there, and and maybe they there's slightly different reasons for 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 each of them. But the swimming thing, I mean, definitely, we talk a lot about the fact that it was um, COVID and people needing to you know, finding themselves a bit trapped. And, um, you know, if they, they did have water that they had access to, not everyone did. This was one of the places in which they could kind of escape. And um, and at the same time, they, you know, people found this enormous connection with nature around about then. So I think swimming, this, the rise of swimming definitely connects with covid and it was already rising but you know that 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 happened during that time and it it, um you know in the book we've kind of also charted all the different sort of support groups and how people found support in that but um cold water stuff i think that is partly because first of all people tried it and found that they did get something out of the cold water thing but it's also because people have been talking about it and how good it is so we've got Wim Hof we've got all these different people saying you know have a cold shower get in a cold water tub get in any kind of cold water and get that cold water shock and and all that kind of stuff that goes on with the dive reflex and the vagus nerve people are talking about all these things so I think that is also one of the things that has uh, driven that it's trending. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that you cover so many different communities, like different reasons that people have come together. Um, so it might be, say, an, an addiction group or it might be a group of new mothers. Like there's all these different reasons that people are getting in the sea but they're still doing it. And some of them are like, it's the best thing ever. It's going to solve all your mental health issues. And then you've got the other side that are like, it's nice, but it's not the only tool. Yeah. And you get other people who, yeah. Sorry, go on, Vicky. I was going to say, you get other people who just say, you know what? I just go in because it's fun and I love it. You know, who who say, you know, forget about whatever anyone says about the benefits. I just have a good time when I do it. My experience has been that everybody I've met who gets in the scene has something that they're working on. Like everybody's got their story that's led them there. And it's almost like I said this to you at the event. It's like the sea finds you sometimes when you're in those moments of real searching. Um, we touched on grief, for example. Like I think, Vicky, you were saying that's partly how you ended up getting into cold water. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, definitely that there's there's something that happened for me when after my brother died where I 
was swimming a lot uh, in Ireland and this particular lock and it was um, it really really helped me and so even though when I came back from there it's not like I really started regular um, wild swimming it took me a while to do that it you know I had that memory and that feeling that there was something there and um, you know that it was helping me process something and also feel connected to to my brother and you know I still have moments of that and just recently I also went for a swim with a really good friend Bryony who originally was someone that I really started my regular wild swimming with and she'd gone really she said to me you know I really want to go to the sea um, go swimming because her mother had recently passed away and um, someone had said you know take a friend of hers had said take your salt tears to, to the sea almost like you can let the tears mingle with the sea and um, mm-hmm. and we recently went for another swim after her dad passed away as well and it's you know it's so that's a kind one form of processing. It's a kind of emotional processing. Mm-hmm. Why did you start getting in the sea again, Anna? Um, well, like I said, I moved back up to Scotland and so I was able to kind of get in the sea more regularly. And it started off going with my cousin who lives a bit further down the coast and we would just get together and we she's an artist and I'm a photographer so we'd go on these we still do it but we struggle to find the time of it at the moment but we go on these lovely long kind of nature walks where we just kind of go and we get inspiration from what's around us and then we always finish with a swim um so that was kind of the beginning of it because you know I moved here and I didn't really know that many people so you know she was she was a real lifeline for me at that time and swimming was kind of linked into that um, but then I realized that that wasn't going to be enough for me. I needed to go to the sea more. <laughs> so I kind of joined a, a Facebook group and, and started going regularly. And so that's sort of how it began. But what, when I was doing it, I was realizing that actually a lot of, um, you know, kind of anxiety and, and stress that I was feeling um, sort of did dissipate when I was in the water. And, you know, I'd get such a sort of buzz from it and felt like I'd done something amazing with my day, even if really the rest of the day was pretty boring. Um, I just felt like there was a little bit of epic whenever time, every time I swum. But also it helped a lot with with things like joint pain, which I'd really struggled with. And um, at times it's been really debilitating and I've had to sort of stop work for chunks of time and things like that. So I found that the cold water was really really helpful in that sense so you know several different reasons really but you know also as a photographer and as a creative person just going to the water and seeing how different it is every time and watching the birds and being in nature was you know really important to me and the older I get the realize I'm more you know the more I realize how much of a lifeline it is for me being able to get outside into nature Um, Mm -hmm. even if it's just very briefly it's a complete kind of reset button yeah yeah so after you guys came to the beach I'd be I was on something like a 21 week streak of getting in every day amazing there was something about so the day before you came I got stuck in a riptide Mm, that freaked me out terrifying and then the day we all went in the sea it was just 
kicked you straight out again. I like yeah. grazed elbows yeah. and I was like, oh, I think, I think I might be done. <laughs> so I stopped getting in and the result is I now have burnout. I'm not I'm surprised. Where I'm going, I need a break. And I think partly it's because I stopped doing that reset. Yeah. Of, you know, that pilgrimage of going to the sea and having that moment of like wonder. There's something bigger than these tiny problems that I have. Yeah, and you kind it's of thought, I don't need that anymore. Yeah. I thought, oh, I've learned all the lessons. <laughs> I, I so. go through phases as well. Hannah of, of swimming a lot and then having phases where I don't swim very much and I'm definitely in a not swimming very much phase right now <laughs> because I've it's just cold. um and and I and I've had to sort of come to terms with that life has just been really busy and mm -hmm. you know the storm um has made the beach really manky and as much as we clean it up it gets messy again and with all the rain we've been having, I've been worried about, you know, what's in the water. And it's just put me into that little headspace of like, oh, I'm, I'm out of the water for a time. But I always get back into it, always comes back. It's always there waiting for me when I'm ready, you know. But sometimes it is, I think, quite good to take a break and it makes you realise, you know, how much you do enjoy it. Um, but if you're kind of forcing yourself to go every day, it does take a bit of the... It takes a bit of the spontaneity and fun out of it, I think. And, you know, I've done those challenges, not as intense as you, but where I've swum every day for a month or something. And I find that it's too much for me. Like I'm completely burnt out by the end of that. So, you know, as much as I love it, I also know that I have to measure myself a little bit with it too. Yeah. Also, I think that sometimes you aren't well enough to get in the cold water. You know, recently mm. I went up to Loch Torridon and I was, um, it was really great because it's a really remote area. The water's beautiful. The weather was amazing, but I had a cold. And um, I was like, I can't not go in. And particularly there was a group called the Diabeg Dippers who were swimming. And I was like, I've got a joy. You know, I just felt like, you know, it was irresistible. And uh, and I thought, I'm not going to be back here. When am I going to be back here? And um, and I got in and honestly, I felt like it wiped me out because I was, you know, I was really properly had a cold. You know, like there's sometimes I think, you know, you're just on the verge of something and you should just keep going. But I should have listened to that voice, the other voice saying, you know, not today, because that's probably meant that I've swum now, not since then. You know, whereas I might have been more quickly back in the water otherwise. I think yeah, the like thing with for me, the, the thing that I've learned through doing a lot of this is that every swim you have to be checking in with yourself. And it's why it's such a mindful process, I think. You have to kind of know where you're at, what you're coming to the water with. Like, how did you sleep? Have you eaten? Where are you on your cycle? You know, what stress have you got going on? Because I really think those things make a huge difference to how you recover from that cold and how you cope with it. And there are sometimes you go and you just feel pretty invincible and you come out feeling amazing. And there are other times where, you know, you think actually, I like when I came to you, actually, um, when we did the swim with you guys, I just had some really bad news before we mm -hmm. did the talk. And I knew that I wasn't up for a 
for getting super cold because I was already feeling kind of a bit of shock and quite cold in that moment. And also the sea was wild and I felt like I don't need to be buffeted around any more than I've been buffeted around mentally this morning, you know. Um, and so I think it's really important as well, just in terms of like knowing yourself, you know, knowing what what's good for you and what and actually when to step away. And I think it's quite, you know, like Vicky said, I had a swim with my cousin and I hadn't seen her for ages and we'd went to this beautiful spot and it was such a gorgeous beach. There was nobody there. And I was so looking forward to it. I got up to my knees and I just went, I just don't want to do it. And it was really unusual. And she was like, eh, what, what? And I was like, I just, I just, it's like my body won't let me go in. And I couldn't understand it. And she just thought I was like, well, she was like, well, just listen to that, you know, get out. But she did go like, really? It's so nice in here. Um, and I got out and actually the next day I came down with a really horrible virus. And I think my body knew that this was coming and it would be too much, but I didn't know that yet. So it's like the more you do this, I think the more in your body you get, the more you understand like what works for you. If that makes sense, like cold water mm -hmm. swimming has brought me into my body. It's made me understand my how I work a lot more. Yeah, and having that compassion to say, I don't have to do it today. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I, I sometimes feel in... the pressure yeah. that people are like, you must be swimming every day. You must love it. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't swim every day. You know, if I swam every day, I'd get... I might get bored of it. Like I love it and I love it. It has to, but it has to be at the right time. So I think a lot of people feel pressure to do it more than maybe they need to. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. There's an element of like, it can be addictive because you get the endorphins. Um, mm -hmm. But maybe a bit of competition, a bit of healthy competition in your group. of like, yeah. who can do it the longest? Who's the most serious? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't even have to be competition as well. Sometimes it's distraction because that's one thing I feel about the group. Although, like, obviously our book's totally about groups and our love of groups. Sometimes with a group, you, you're just, I mean, I'm quite easy, easily socially distracted to not think about how I am, you know, because I'm having a chat and you know, like don't want to leave the chat in the water, in that very cold water. And um, yeah. and uh, so sometimes I think, you know, yes, the the group can mean that you're, you, you don't, it's not necessarily competitive stuff. You just stay with people because it feels good to stay with people. Yeah. And you ignore actually how yeah. you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So going back to this idea of the groups and the com communities, what do you think makes them so powerful? I think um, a lot of the groups what, that we've found are sort of filling um, filling a gap where, you know, we just don't have the sort of society anymore where, you know, we look after each other in the same way that perhaps, you know, even going back 50, 60, 70 years, you'd, you'd perhaps be more of in a, in a sort of, village type environment whether you're in a city or not you'd know your neighbors people would help you out and I think we, we're all sort of so used to you know looking after ourselves and being quite insular and and you know living in you know away from our families a lot of the time as well and I think there's something really powerful about being part of a community that look out for each other and I mm -hmm. think a lot of people let's help them 
you know, I mean, loneliness is one of the biggest health epidemics in this country. It's quite incredible how, you know, loneliness can actually, you know, shorten your life. Um, mm -hmm. There's been some incredible research done about that. And I think, you know, by joining groups and feeling part of something and feeling part of something bigger than yourself, um, looking out for others as well as others looking out for you, it gives you a sense of well-being and a sense of purpose. So I think, you know, a lot of these community groups are doing that for people. But then there's also very specific groups that are sort of helping for example, with addiction recovery or, you know, men's mental health peer support groups or, you know, new mums kind of, you know, being together or, or new university students. Um, there's there, there's almost like a gap in the market <laughs> that a lot of these swimming groups have, have filled, you know. So I think they're quite uh, really fulfilling a need that we have in, in society. Yeah, and there's probably other ways in which some of those groups are coming together through other activities, like whatever, like the men's shed movement or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. But swimming has been a particularly powerful and, and, and growing way of, of, of coming together. And really, I one of the things that, um, you know, there's a there's a guy um, called Mike Morris that we interviewed who's from Chill Therapy. And he, he's part of a kind of program of um, supporting particularly, um, in fact, he created this program for supporting people with depression going into water. And um, he has this whole kind of theory about how, how enormous, we're kind of going through a cold shock together and how enormously bonding that is. And that, you know, to, to go through something physical together is bonding in a different way from say, I don't know, um, you know, just, I, I mean, maybe, um, you know, I mean, go, obviously going for a drink and getting very drunk together can be really bonding in another way. But, um, but um, you know, he, he's, yes, he, he's kind of saying, you know, it's, it's a bit like, yeah, like you're going through something that's quite, it's a shock getting into cold water. You're like, <gasps> and so you're doing that as a group. Um, and then you're also co-regulating as you get used to the water, which releases a load of chemicals and makes you all like, oh, and I did this with you, which means that we're now, our friendship's on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And the chats you have in the water, it's like, you know, what they say in the water stays in the water kind of thing. And it's, you know, it's so true. You have these real deep and meaningful chats often with people that you otherwise don't really know that well. I mean, I've certainly had some incredible chats with people I've never met otherwise. <laughs> and it's it's a it's a lovely um it's a lovely way to kind of really connect with people. It's a lovely medium to do it through. Exactly. What do you think is the biggest threat to these communities? The biggest threat, yes. I, I mean, I think you mentioned that when we we spoke before. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I guess, like, there's various issues with the communities. I think one of the things is that obviously, I mean, Anna will talk quite a bit about the fact that um, before COVID, um, there were, there was, you know, or during COVID, sorry, during early COVID, some of the groups were felt really big and bonded and like they were quite central on the beach. But now so many people are coming, the, the, the communities are sort of splintering a bit, which I think is what happens when you get a really big 
community. So it's not always, we have got groups in the book that are one big mess, but actually it seems like a lot of the nature of how communities are becoming is that they're smaller groups, little WhatsApp groups and things like that. So they're a bit less easy to discover. Um, I mean, obviously something like Dip Club, which we met at, is an amazing example of a big community that is really bringing a mass of people together. Um, I mean, but I, I don't know if that's... Think on, yeah, I think on that note that the thing that we that I worry about, and I did speak to the girls at Dip Club as well, um, is this whole thing of safety and mm -hmm. feeling like if you're instigating a swim, even if you've said to people they have to be responsible for themselves, then if something happens, are you liable? And the problem with organising, we've done lots of big kind of swim events for charity and things like that and book launches. And there's an element of, you know, everybody's... For a long time, the sort of advice on the Outdoor Swimming Society was just to say everyone has to sort of agree to swim at their own risk and that was enough to cover you. But, you know, recently at the International Women's Day Swim we had up here in Edinburgh, um, I was advised that actually if anything happened to anyone, because I'd invited people to swim, if something happened, I could be liable and their family mm -hmm. could sue me. And I was like, uh... <laughs> This is new. So the thing that I worry about is, in a way, yes, it would be good to get some legislation, but at the same time, that would just completely destroy the kind of spontane spontaneity of it all. And so I worry that the bigger it becomes, the more it's going to become an issue more and more. And will they try and put red tape in place to say, if you have a group, everyone has to sign this, you have to do health and safety checks, you have to do waivers, you have to do, you know, all of these things, which would spoil the joy of just getting together informally and swimming so that mm. is something I think is a very real threat the bigger this becomes will beaches or you know lake or lock owners decide actually if people are going to swim in my body of water then I want them to sign things I want them to pay that that sort of thing I do think that that is potentially a, a big threat to the freedom we currently have mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering. Yeah, is that does that address what you meant by threats? Like, are, are there other kinds of threats that you're thinking of? Or, <laughs> but you didn't answer all of my takes. No. Yeah, but I mean, it's just like it's an interesting question. Like, I don't mm -hmm. think we've ever been asked it before, and um, no. and so you know, it's why it's why kind of we we kind of don't necessarily have an immediate answer. It's an interesting thing and you know like I'm thinking what are other threats well there's the threats things to do with pollution and stuff like that but that actually also brings communities together to sort of fight for waters so um you know there's uh um in terms of actually threatening the communities I'm not sure it's doing that I suppose like you know when there's been a massive downpour as a community you have to say it's not safe for us to swim today because there's mm -hmm pollution um but yeah i think the whole idea around legislation and making sure people are safe and who is liable is going to be something that is these communities just have to deal with mm -hmm. like since you've mm. came to dip club you now have to sign sign on before you go um and they have to take a register right 
And that's quite rare. That's interesting. That's a lot of groups are not operating like that. They're just kind of winging it. So, yeah, but what, how do we learn from it by something yeah. awful happening? Or yeah, mm. but yeah, well, this, and the, the problem is for some, for some. Yeah, it puts me off organising something. Like it's making yeah. me question whether to do an International Women's Day swim this year, even though we've done it for years, um, because. My fear now is if something happens, is it down to me to have to deal with it? Is it is it me and my family and my home that will be threatened by a, a public lawsuit? You know, I, I'm not willing to take that risk, you know. So, mm-hmm. so these are the things that I think there's not enough clarity on it, but I also don't want to push for clarity because I think if we push to get some kind of, of, you know, some kind of legislation, then it will mean that we all do have to do that, sign in, sign out, you know, and, and then who's responsible and getting lifeguards and kayaks. And it just feels like a massive extra thing. And it does take yeah. away from the, from the spontaneous nature of it, which is what's drawn me to it in the first place. It's like enough red tape everywhere in everything else. Like it's the one thing that's kind of like spontaneous and joyful. And I don't want to have to sign a piece of paper to say I'm doing it. If that you makes get sense. checked in and registered. I know. But I can see why, for example, Dip Club would do it because, you know, they are hosting this big group and it has got very big. And I totally see why they would do that. But it just puts me off and I think it would put other people off potentially organising something that could be amazing. Yeah. So that's where I, I feel like it is potentially a threat. For sure. Like we're coming up to Christmas, New Year. That is always forever been a thing where people put on Santa hats and get in the sea. Yeah, the Looney Duke that we have here. And the, the, what, there was, I mean, there have been years when it was organised in Edinburgh by the people who were organising the Christmas and Hogmanay events. But generally, historically, it's just been this free-for-all that people just do and no, and no, one, no one's particularly even organising it. It just happens. Um, yeah. And I guess when it's something like that, when there's no leader, it just happens. Maybe, um, maybe there is no there's question of liability. I think that they, there always seems to be someone that you can pinpoint. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So yeah, I think that's probably some of the biggest threats: is how do we keep it safe? but still that element of fun and spontaneity. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing that always strikes me is that the people who do organise these things are, are really brave. And, you know, they obviously, t- you know, they must be, they must feel some of that responsibility, even if they're not worrying about it to the degree that Anna is. And also they're just, you know, it strikes me, they're always quite amazing people who are really showing up again and again. For, for the group, which seems to be the key message we hear from people leading them. You know, you've just got to show up, you've got to be there every Sunday morning or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, I think certainly for the girls that started Dip Club, it was like, this is really important to us, you may as well come too. That's brilliant. If you can spread I the love message. Dip Club. They're very inspiring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they are. So I guess to finish on, do you have any advice for keeping safe 
over this winter period if people are going in cold water? I mean, swimming with with a group is, you know, absolute top tip, you know, especially if you're not used to swimming in the winter, swimming with someone who does swim, you know, who has got experience of swimming through the winter is quite important because, you know, suddenly the stakes are higher, you know, you you don't, you you will get cold a lot quicker, obviously. Um, And I think you have to be super organized, I think, in the winter, You, you know, when you before you go in the water, you know, make sure everything's kind of ready to put straight on as soon as you come out, Um, have your hot drink. It's really quite essential um, in the winter months. And just don't be afraid to layer up if you need to, like if you need to wear neoprene um, gloves and socks, like I always do in the winter, I think it really helps, Um, you know, and if you want to wear a woolly hat and if you want to wear a neoprene jacket or if you want to go full wetsuit, it's like it's completely okay it's whatever you're comfortable with mm-hmm. um but getting out and getting dry quickly is really important the after drop um phenomenon means that you continue to cool down for another 20 minutes after you get out of the water so you're um you know you could be absolutely fine in the water and if you take it to the point where you're too cold in the water and then you get out and then you get even colder that's really quite a danger point. And again, these things are massively affected by how you arrive to the water that day. So if you arrive and you've, you're well fed, you're well rested, you're feeling good mentally, you know, you can probably swim for longer than you would if you were <laughs> like me today. You know, I barely slept and I'm feeling a bit like I've had a bit of a tricky day. Uh, you know, I know that I wouldn't be in the water for very long today. Um, mm-hmm. And then we also know that you get all the health benefits from being in the cold water if if you're only in for three minutes so you really don't need to do more than three minutes to get all the health benefits there's no prizes for staying in for a long time in fact I think I don't like it when people post how long they've been staying in for I think it's quite it's actually quite irresponsible in a way because it makes people feel that that's what they should be doing but everybody's so different and finally just um, you know, make sure that you keep moving and, you know, don't stand around chatting in wet swimsuits and things like that. Like things that you might do in the summer, you just can't get away with in the winter. So um, mm-hmm. I think that's the main things covered. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always think that, I mean, obviously there's all the warm clothes and everything and the dry robes. Um, you don't need a dry robe. I mean, actually, I originally used to wear this old charity shop fake fur coat when when I... um when I started swimming and I kind of missed those days and um, I could still do it, I guess. Um, but the other thing yeah, I, as I'm I here for that. Yeah. I, I really believe that, I guess it's not waterproof. That's the only thing. Um, uh, the other things I really believe in, you know, like doing a bit of moving around afterwards, which is what Anna um, mentioned that I sometimes find that I can do all the other things like the hot drink, the even have like a hot bath, but if I just like do a kind of brisk walk or a run or something home, that is the thing that makes the difference to um, to whether I'm actually properly warmed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why Dip Club's so great. They've got the tunes pumping and everybody's dancing. Yeah, and you've got a big hill to walk up. That is a, yeah. that is the thing. You <laughs> get back up up that beach. You've got a lot of steps, and I have the same from my when I walk home from from my local beach. It's quite uphill, you know, and I take the steps up, and um, 
I mean, there's no way you're still going to be completely frozen at the top of those steps because you definitely yeah. warm up on on that um, with that cardio for sure. I wish I knew how many steps now, but it feels like a lot when you've got all your gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. Oh, well, thank you both so much for coming on. And Thanks the ripple effect to your book um, is the perfect Christmas gift for the water lover. Do you not agree? <laughs> You're both like, oh, yes, yes sorry. Agree. <laughs> yes. Keep yes. Right. Or, even, <laughs> or even your gift to self. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You deserve when it. When I read it, it's basically like a great big chunky coffee table book with incredible photos but also as I was reading it there were like at least three or four times when I cried Aww. just hearing like people's stories like what's led them to get in the water um it's just lovely so really beautifully captured yeah it's quite an emotional Thanks. thing bringing it all together and he, mm -hmm. you know having those stories shared with us and of course there's so many more aren't there? Even just when we came to Dip Club, we were hearing stories afterwards. It was quite, quite yeah. amazing. Mm. Well, thank you so much for coming back and speaking to me. I really appreciate it. And I hope you have wonderful Christmases. And a break yes, now, I believe you've finished your book tour. Yeah. I know, Hopefully. last night was my last event. So this, it's like, a, yeah, it's like a full stop at the end of a long you know, a couple of months of promotion. It's it's been it's been quite a lot, but it's been really lovely and we've been out on the road and we've met so many people and it's it's been really special. So but yeah, ready ready for a break now. <laughs> yeah, and we'll have to come back to to dip with you again, Hannah. We'll have to organise yeah. that somehow. Oh, I'd love that. When That'd it's less so nice. Yes, slight, slightly less um, waves this time, perhaps, and massive storm. <laughs> yeah, how about the summer? Yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> oh. well, thank you both. Bye. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. Lovely. Thanks. All right, then. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Happily Ever After with me, Hannah Harvey. It would be wonderful if you could leave a review and subscribe. And of course, if you have a friend who might enjoy this episode, please do pass it on. For anything else, you can get in touch with me either through Instagram at Mumsdays or my website mumsdays.com.